I went into this work as a pastoral counselor because I was deeply concerned about issues of mental health. This is a growing problem in this country, and I believe that it's theology, not psychology, that holds the ultimate answer for people struggling with mental health issues. Now, let me hasten to say that psychology has made a significant contribution, especially in regards to issues of PTSD, complex trauma, family systems, and addiction, and as well as relational dynamics and codependence. Those cannot be dismissed. But the fact of the matter is that mental illness in our nation, in America, is on the rise. And it's on the rise despite the uh, advent of many new psychotropic drugs to deal with it. But we can't just drug people up, and we can't just lock people up. We have to provide them genuine solutions. Unfortunately, the church also has drifted away from the dock on this issue and has gotten all caught up in a business model that is entertainment-driven, that is inspirational, that is really a form of pseudo Christianity. And so we really have very few outlets right now uh, for solid theology being applied to people with mental illness. There are, there are institutions like the Christian Educational Foundation, Christian Counseling and Education Foundation, excuse me, um, uh, that was founded by David Pallison, I believe it is, uh, and, and, and are, is functioning today by men like Ed Welch and others who are doing a tremendous job of bringing the biblical uh, solution to people with uh, relational problems, um, marital problems, and other counseling needs. But we still have lots of work to do here. The good news is it's not difficult. It's not a mystery. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a mystery revealed, not a mystery hidden, unless you're an unbeliever, of course, and then it's bl you're blinded to it. The God of this world has blinded people to the truth of the gospel. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. What I want to share with you today is what I believe to be the root cause of all non-chemical mental illness, all relational illness, all um, uh, struggles with your own sense of identity, and that is self-centeredness. Let me share with you a text from 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Paul says this, But know this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, now, let's pause there. Lovers of self. That is at the root of all of our problems with trauma, codependence, and addiction. We are lovers of self. This is the natural outcome of the fall. Instead of being a lover of God, Adam went to, uh, went, became a lover of self. And in him... We have to recover now, even if we have received Christ, even if we are in Christ, we have to rehabituate ourselves from being lovers of self to being lovers of God. So 
being a lover of the self, placing yourself at the center of the universe, placing yourself at the center of your relationships, placing yourself at the center of your own thinking, is the root cause of mental illness. And everything Paul is going to say now in the next three verses has everything to do with uh, the outcropping of the love of self. What does it look like, in other words? Paul's going to describe what it looks like to be a lover of self. The first thing he says is that we are lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, without gentleness, without love for good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So Paul puts these two bookends here beginning with the one bookend of the lover of self and the other one, a lover of pleasure rather than lovers of God. All of these things have to do with the outcropping, the outflow of what happens when we are at the center of our own existence. And that, what he just described there, is mental illness. Let me read it again. Lovers of money. You don't have to go far in America to understand that most Americans are driven by a love of money. It is a um, societal standard that we are to be pushing for success, pushing for big and better and more. And that's true, too, within the pseudo-Christianity within America, especially within the Word of Faith movement. It's all about the money. Lovers of self. The next phase is lovers of money. Well, let's look at it again. Boastful. That's mental illness. Arrogant. Mental illness. Blasphemers. There's mental illness. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. I have people in my, in my practice over the years who have sat in front of me claiming to be Christians who meet every one of the characteristics of Paul's diagnosis here. And yet, they claim to be Christians. And what they are, is they are people who've been inoculated to the gospel. They haven't been saved by the gospel. They've been given some kind of pseudo-gospel, through pseudo-Christianity, that offers them a false assurance, and does nothing to transform them. So, they're blasphemers, they're disobedient to parents, they're ungrateful, they're unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, irreconcilable, malicious, gossips, without self-control, without gentleness, without love for good, treacherous, reckless, conceited. Folks, this is clear. This is not the diagnostic statistics manual the DSM. This is the manual. This text is telling us what mental illness looks like. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But listen to this now. Verse 5. Holding to a form of godliness, 
but having denied its power. That is the root cause of mental illness. Love of self covered over by a form of godliness that denies its power. Power to do what? Power to change. Power to transform. Power to save. So what do we do about this? Well, the first thing Paul says in verse 5, in the final words here, is keep away from such men as these. We have to come to identify and reject this notion that somehow we can just live with this kind of theology that is so popular in today's pseudo-Christianity. It is killing people. It is not benign, folks. It is not simply a matter of differencing different opinions. This pseudo-Christianity that is so popular, especially within most megachurches, is killing people. And it's making them mentally ill on the way to their death and their destruction. It's destroying families. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying people's ability to work and do their jobs well. Because what you're talking about here, the reason Paul says that having a form of godliness but having denied his power, uh, the New English translation says that they maintain a an appearance of religion but repudiate the power thereof. What Paul's really saying here is this is life without the Spirit. People who are devoid of the Spirit are mentally ill people. And these are people who happen to be in the church. These, What Paul's describing here is the church of the last days. The church of the last days that has, uses all the symbols, that uses all the terminologies. You can walk into their building on Sunday morning. There may be loud and raucous worship going on. It may look like a church. It may sound like a church. But this is, you scratch the surface, and this is what you get in the character of the people participating in that kind of an environment. In other words, they're no different than the world. They're just as mentally sick as people in the world. So yes, there are issues of family trauma. Yes, there are issues of codependence. And yes, there are issues of addiction that affect our mental health and well-being. But at the root of mental illness, both within and without of the church, is this love of self. In this progressive Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemers, so on. People devoid of the Spirit. So what's the solution? The solution is to acknowledge these things and to grieve these things. Let me turn you to James chapter... Well, I'm not sure what chapter it is, but I'll turn there just a moment. He tells us that we have to acknowledge some of these things. We have to understand that, that this is what's happening. <clears throat> so he says in James chapter 4, verse 5, beginning, Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. But he gives us a greater grace. 
Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We need grace. We need to humble ourselves before God and beg for the grace to bring us out of this forest of self-centeredness. Be subject, therefore, to God. Here's the pathway out of the forest. Be subject, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, and mourn, and cry. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. That's the solution. But you know what? There's very few people that are interested in that solution. They want to be affirmed as victims. They want to be affirmed that somehow their life, their moral compass is broken because somehow somebody else did something to them at some point. Now, I don't want to be harsh or unkind. This, I myself am in recovery from family trauma. I myself nearly died. (laughs) Issues of codependence and addiction nearly killed me. And I was delivered from those things by the mercies of God. And psychology played a role. I'm glad to understand PTSD today. I'm glad to understand family systems. I'm glad to understand there's some contributions that psychology made to my recovery. But in the final analysis, what was necessary for me and what's necessary for you in the sound of my voice is to recognize that we live in a time when what is presented as a spiritual solution for many is not a spiritual solution at all. In fact, when our preaching, when our teaching, and what we call Christianity not only does not uproot this addiction to self, this love of self, which leads to the love of money and all the other um, wicked characteristics that are described in this text, Second Timothy 3, then we're lost beyond repair. We're lo- the light has gone out. We're under judgment. And so before that light goes com- completely disappears, before that time when God just gives us ultimately over as a society, this is your time to take seriously that if these things define your life, then not only are you mentally ill, you are on the path to judgment. And the pathway out is just as I described here in James. It begins with us humbling ourselves before God, resisting the devil, drawing near to God, and he'll draw near to you. There's the promise. Humble ourselves, draw near to God, cleanse our hands, purify our hearts from double-mindedness, turn our happy, clappy, superficial, worship, worshiping Christianity 
into misery and mourning and crying long enough to let our laughter be turned into mourning and to recognize the gloom and then humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And the promise here in James is that he will exalt us. So what's at the root of mental illness? Self. Love of self. It's that simple. And yet that complicated. Because to be free of that, we can only be free by the gospel. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ will uproot the self-centeredness that is so inherent within fallen humanity and replace that with a Christ-centeredness. So that our love is no longer for money, but for Jesus Christ. That our love is no longer for pleasure, but for Jesus Christ. And in Him, and in Him alone, do we discover and recover what it means to be fully human. This is why the doctrine of Christ's humanity, as well as His deity, is so very important to us. So I'm talking about what? I'm talking about good theology, aren't I? Good anthropology, the study of humanity. See, these are the things that we need to address. Sadly, you're not going to hear it in seminaries today, most seminaries. You're not going to hear it in graduate school, even Christian graduate schools that are teaching psychology. And you're likely not going to hear it in your local church. So, if you agree, I encourage you to either pass this message along, take this recording, pass it on to someone, or make the notes and begin to carry the message yourself. Take what I'm saying, take the principles here, mark the text, and make it your own message. Begin to tell others that mental illness is on the increase, not because we don't have enough drugs, not because we don't have enough psychologists. We have a proliferation of trained therapists, and it's the drugs and the number of therapists is not solving the mental health crisis in America. The mental health crisis is not being solved in the psych psychological uh, circles because it's not just a psychological problem. It is a spiritual problem. And it, has, and it begins with acknowledging that it's this love of self that is the root core of all of our mental illness. And that itself is a spiritual problem. Well, I hope you've heard my heart. I hope you can take this, maybe listen to it two or three times, get my point, get my heart, make a note of the text, and, and pray about these things with me. We have to start providing real solutions to people. I'm happy to report to you that this message that we apply in our counseling center is making a powerful effect in people's lives. The victim-martyr syndrome doesn't work in our counseling office for adults. The only victims are children and the elderly who are not neither one of the lifespan able to take care of themselves. But if you're an adult, you're not a victim. You may be a victim of bad teaching, but you can put an end to that too. So there's no victim martyrs if you're an adult. It's time to acknowledge what's happened. It's time to recognize that if you think you can live this way 
as a Christian, you're actually attempting to live devoid of the Spirit, and and you're you're facing nothing but judgment. Turn to the text in James, James chapter four, beginning with verse five, through verse ten. Read it over, over, and over again. That's your prescription. That's I've given you the diagnosis. This is your prescription for how to get out of that illness that we call self-centeredness. Amen.